0: preach to teach I'm your host pastor Cliff Miller senior this part of the show is called basic training some might call it Bible study but we call it basic training because we start with the basics little bit at a time not trying to overwhelm you or impress you with fancy words and sayings if you're looking for a performance this ain't that show if you're looking for somebody to manipulate the word to make you feel good and make us sound impressive This ain't that show. Dr. Lehman Nuttall, senior pastor of Thy Word Worship Center, located in Plymouth, Minnesota, breaks the word down in a way that everybody can understand. Showing you the Greek and Hebrew translations that you may not know the meaning to. Making sure that you have all the tools as a Christian to handle the ways of the world. So without any further ado, Let's jump right into this session of basic training with Dr. Lehman Newtall. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you.
1: I thank you, Father, because you're God and you're God all by yourself. Thank you once again, Lord, for this platform that you have summoned your people. Help me, Lord. Speak through me, Lord. Yes. You I need I need your help. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Give them ears to hear, heart, mm-hmm. heart to receive, and a mind to obey your word. I thank you, man. In Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Miles Monroe. I'm quite sure you've heard of Dr. Miles Monroe, some of you. But I'm not, I'm, I don't assume everybody has. And I'm praying that somebody that hears this, is today or tomorrow or next week, that they uh, to get a, a revelation they get an understanding and Dr. Miles Monroe he, although he passed away he made a statement I mean you know when you hear you can hear thousands and hundreds and thousands of, of sermons and messages but every now and then something to jump out at you and stay with you it'll, it'll stick in your mind he said something it actually wasn't a sermon but it was in his book he said, "The greatest tragedy in life is not death. It's not dying, but it's life without purpose." Boy, that's stuff with me. Living a living a life in this world and not knowing why you're here, not have a purpose—that's worse than dying. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be like that. I want to, I want to know why I'm why I'm here. What's my role? What's my course? What's my assignment? I don't want to just go through life aimlessly. Well, let's look at the word of God. Look at Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastics chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time. For every purpose under the sun or under the heavens <laughs> amen now you notice if you have a king James Bible you'll notice that it says to every thing. the two words there's not two it's not one word it's two words everything there's a season uh-huh and a time for every purpose under the sun and I believe that everybody in this world, there's a time and there's a season for you to find out why you're here. I believe that with all my heart. Now, for years, for years, I gave my I gave my life to Christ when I was 43 years old. For, so for 43 years, 43 years, I was in the wilderness just aimlessly going through life and not realizing that, that I wasn't serving my purpose. I, I didn't know until I started reading scriptures. And so I would read, I would, I would finally go to church and try to find out my purpose, go week after week, week after week, listen to the word. I mean, because the only way you're going to find out your purpose, you don't ask one of these psychiatrists or psychologists what, what what your problem is or who what, who you know what's wrong with your mind. If you want to talk to somebody, talk to the one who created you, and that's God. And so, I would go to church. You go to church, and I realized that I was I had I knew a lot of information, but it but, but it didn't mean anything. And so, I kept going, and, and God showed me a scripture. I want you to look at another scripture in Genesis. Now, remember, there's a there's a for everything there's a season. Now, the word "thing" could be an an inanimate an, an object. That means it could be a rock or a chair, but but it could also be a, a human. And if you look at a, a Luke chapter 1 look at Luke chapter 1 verse 35 and the angel answered and said to her the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God and so A thing was was Jesus. A thing was a person. So a thing could be a person. And and I believe for everything or for every person, there's a season. And and I believe there's some people that's going to hear this and they're going to realize that this season is coming for them to find out who who they are and and their purpose. Genesis chapter 2. I give somebody some revelation when I got this, I, I started looking at life different. Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen, and the Lord God, He took the man, and He put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Well, I talked. We talked about the other day. I talked to Pastor Marianne about homonyms—words that uh, spelled the same and. They sound the same, but they have different meanings. And so when I looked this word up, dress, I looked it up in Hebrew, and it's A-B-A-D. It's a Hebrew word, and it means to serve. It means to execute. It means to bring the pass. It means to work. And it means to become, to become. Now, for 40, for forty something years, I had some good jobs. I had good, I had good jobs. But when you look at this scripture, this is not talking about a job. God put Adam into the garden and told him to work, to become. To become who I've created you to be, Adam. And so I created you to serve. Become who I called you to be. See, this is work. When you find out your purpose, you find out your work. Work is different from a job. If you look at Genesis, let's look at Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to show you where the job showed up. See, The first thing God gave man was he put him in his presence. The first place he put him was in his presence. But the first thing he gave man was work. Before he gave him a wife, before he gave him a family, before he gave him a job, he gave him work. See, that's your purpose. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Hallelujah. Verse 18. Now look at verse 9. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. We study in our Bible today. And the Lord God called Adam and said up to him, where, you at? where are you, Adam? Now, you, you, you got to get suspicious whenever God asks anybody a question that you already know the answer to. And so Adam said, verse 10, he said, I, I heard your voice in the garden and I was... I was afraid because I was naked and I and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? And then, have you eaten from the tree where I commanded you not to eat? Uh he said, verse 12. Adam said, The woman that you gave me, she gave me to, to eat, and I ate. Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough guy right there. Blame it on the it on, on his wife. But, anyways. God told her, he told her, he, you know what he said. He told her from now on, you're going to, you're going to have labor pains and and you're going to go through life when you conceive. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be pain. But he told Adam, Adam, verse 19, verse 18 and 19, he said, thorns. Thistles shall be fought to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thy return unto the ground. For out of it you were taken, and dust that are, and unto the dust that you're going to return. So that's when work, that's when his job started. The job started when they messed up. And of course, in verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, that's when he gave them a family. But the first thing he gave him was work. Told them to become what I called you to be. I had a, some great jobs, but I didn't know my work. But one day, going to church, I start thinking about salvation. I start thinking about my life and what I what I'm doing with my life and what have I done with my life and. Amen. God was showing me a vision of how I I wasn't doing what I was created to do. Now don't get me wrong because just because you you get a little older don't mean it's too late to find out your purpose. Because at 43 I found out my purpose. I got saved and I stopped serving. And in 10 years God revealed to me what I was called to do i mean at first i didn't know at first i would go to the juvenile detention centers and i would go with my pastor because i knew something about juveniles and they in trouble i would go in there and talk to him and minister to him and he would take me and i was still searching and trying to find out who i was and why was i here and and and, and i and i started going to school and i started learning and i started going to bible study and i started reading And God began to reveal to me what I was called to do. And it didn't take long for him to do a quick work in me. I'm telling you, when you submit yourself to God, you may not even know right now what your calling is. You might not know what your purpose is. But I promise you, when you get the word of God, just study the word of God and pray, praise, amen, and, and serve God. That's what you was created to do, for one thing. You was created to serve. Most people that call themselves Christians, they don't serve God. But if you really want to find out what your calling is, because you want to leave a legacy, not just money for your family and houses for your family, inheritance, that's good. That's all good. But a legacy, the scripture says in Revelation chapter of. 14, he said, let's look at 14, verse 13. Verse 13 says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me. This is John the Revelator. God gave him a, revel- a revelation on the island of Patmos. And he told him the to right. He said, right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from now on. Yea, said the spirit. That they may rest from their labors and their works, do follow them. John said, he saw in a vision that when the, only only those that died in the Lord, that died serving the Lord. He said, he saw them on their way to heaven, and, 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 and wasn't no, it wasn't no car following them, but wasn't, wasn't no house following them, there wasn't no money following them, it was only their works. Only what they did for God, only what they do for Christ is going to last. So I started saying, wait a minute. So I, I want to be able to uh, leave a legacy. And so that's, that's why when people start telling me I want I to want Bible study and I want to, you know, and I got a revelation. You get your mind, you made me see. I, that's part of my purpose for being here. And, and I get excited. When people get revelation and they get an understanding, and God showed them something, and I, and I get excited, and so it, it got it got me so that sometimes I prefer Wednesday Bible study over Sunday service. Oh yeah, and I, I'm I'll tell you why. There's a scripture. Oh Lord, we got to go here, y'all. This scripture is gonna blow your mind. Go to Ecclesiastic chapter 7. Look at verse 2 and look at verse 3. It says, It is better to go to the house of the morning as a funeral home than to go to the house of feasting. That's a party. Uh-oh. For that is the end of all men and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better." What is that saying? That showed me that, Lord, I, I, not that I like doing eulogies, not that I like doing funerals, but I noticed something about Sunday morning church service versus a Sunday or, or, or a day in the funeral home doing a eulogy. It's something about, see, there are people that will go to church that won't go to church unless they go to a funeral. But that's when you can get their attention. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's something different about, it's something different about when you go to a funeral. Your mindset is, 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 is different. I mean, if you go to a party, you know you're feeling good, you're, you're shouting, getting the groove on, but when you go to the house of mourning, when you go, that's why the scripture says it's better to go there because you you think more about life, you think more about your purpose, you think more about how much time I got. Have I wasted my time? Is, is God pleased with me? Oh yes. that's 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 what I love. I like to be in a position where we can win souls. Come on, Bible says that he that wins souls is is wise. And it also talks about it in First Thessalonians. Let's go to First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, chapter two, verse nineteen and twenty. The scriptures made me think. I didn't understand that at first. Why is it better to better to go to a funeral home than it is to go to a party? And God, He gave me the revelation. You put your mind on death and life. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Four. What is our hope and joy and our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For ye, you are our glory and joy. Paul was talking to some saints that he had won to the Lord. Thessalonian, and he was trying to get back to see him because he heard that they were growing and they was getting excited about God and that they heard the word and they changed their life and they changed their mindset and they started coming to church. And Paul heard about it. And he said, this is my crown of rejoicing. This is called a soul winning crown. Five crowns that you can win. But this one right here is the soul winning crown. And you see, when you win souls, uh oh, man, it's something about Listen, it's something about winning a soul. Now, I know it feels good to get a paycheck. And I know somebody can say, yeah, you're right. It feels good to get that paycheck and cash it. Amen. But then when you start paying all the bills and you got a few dollars left, it ain't that happy. But when you win a soul. Ah, yes. When you win a soul. I promise you. This blew my mind. When I said, "Lord, okay," and He started using me, and I started growing, and I started getting, I started getting degrees, and I started getting ordained, became a minister, became a pastor, became a bishop. And I remember one of the biggest funerals I ever done in my life. One of the biggest ones. It was my wife's brother. He died at the age of forty-four, cancer. We had to have his funeral at the biggest African American church in, in in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. Fifteen hundred seats; every seat was filled. It was standing room only. Somebody said, "But well, I, wasn't, I wasn't. I didn't have the credibility to to, to to do the funeral, to do the eulogy, because I didn't. I didn't know him like that, and I didn't." And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'll let y'all know who I was and who he is to me. When I started talking to him, I said, i Red Red that at the age of 44. Mm-hmm. And so when I met Red, he was four years old. Oh, yeah. I I met him when he was four years old. And I grew up with, I grew up with him and saw so him. Went to this house every day. Helped help his father chase him and catch him so he can whoop him. My God. And 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 and, and Red grew up, and he grew up. Hey Amen. he started coming to our church. Came from Chicago, came here, and guess who baptized him? We baptized him and and, and and set them down in the water. And he 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 got saved. He got saved. But I tell you something, it was something about that funeral. That blew my mind. The people had, I had their attention. God had their attention. Now, these were people who wouldn't come to a church, but they came to say farewell to Red. And to make a long story short, I gave an altar call at the end of the service, and at least 40 or 50 people came down and surrounded. His casket, Red had a, he was, he he was in a red casket, a red casket. And they were sitting there staring and looking at that casket, looking at their friend. It's gone. And that's when you can get, you got people's attention and they were thinking and they were wondering. And it didn't, it didn't take much to get them down to the altar because they wanted to see Red again. So I I started realizing this was part of my work. This is part of my purpose. Amen. I I, I started understanding, but I had to stay in the presence of God to to understand what my my work was and my purpose. Let's go to two more scriptures, and I'm going to try to close it up with this one. This one is one to make you scratch your head, Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 43. This, this is not new for some of y'all, but some of y'all, some people is not, have, have not heard this scripture. And my job is to get somebody to understand and get to know their Bible. You know, get back together with their Bible. Get back in, in sync. This is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. It says, you have heard that it has been said. Now, wait a minute. Stop right there. Jesus said, you've heard that that it has been said. Now, they heard something. They heard some teaching, but it wasn't good teaching. It was bad teaching. It was the Pharisees teaching them. Oh, yeah. They were just teachers of Israel and they were teaching bad doctrine. So when Jesus came on the scene, this was, on, this was at the Sermon on the Mount. He was talking to a, a hundreds and hundreds of potential disciples, potential followers, and he was laying down the law to them, laying down the requirements and and, and laying down the truth he said now you've heard that it was said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them with spitefully use and persecute you now right now I'm going to just be honest with you this is the reason why Jesus had to send the Holy Ghost because loving somebody that hate you your enemies and bless them or speak well of them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray come on somebody pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you oh, oh lord you see they heard that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but they knew the scripture they knew Proverbs 25, 21. They knew the word, the old covenant, the old testament, but they were teaching bad doctrine. And verse 21 said, this is Proverbs chapter 25. If your enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For you shall heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord shall reward you. What did He just say? God is, was teaching them back then, before Jesus even came to Earth, how to treat people that treat them wrong. He said, "Don't, don't, you don't, you don't, you don't need to get back at him." I, God said, "I got it. I'll take care of them. You just don't get bitter behind them because they did you wrong. But you belong to Me," God said. And since you belong to Me, and they did you wrong, I got you oh yeah keeping hot coals on the head but one thing they can't understand why you're not bitter at them. God said give them bread or give them drink you see you gotta have the Holy Ghost to do this y'all oh yeah the closer you get to God the better you can do it. amen back to Matthew chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5 it says, verse 45 that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he said, rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you only, what reward would you have? Do not even the publicans do that, or the Gentiles? And if you salute your brother only, what do you more than others you're not doing no more than everybody else is doing do not even the publicans do that the sinners but this is the one we're going to close with right verse 48 be ye therefore perfect as your father which is in heaven is perfect oh my god here we go that's why it's good to to know your english It's good to know your homonyms and your synonyms and your antonyms. So, somebody said, you can't be perfect. Nobody can be perfect. But Jesus, well, what did Jesus just say? He said, be perfect. You. Well, let's find out what the word perfect means. Before it was translated to perfect, what did it say in the Greek? The Greek word is... Tautilius. T-E-L-E-I-O-S. Telius, And here's what it means. It means complete. It means to fulfill. It means to consummate. We don't hear that word too much nowadays in our culture. But to co- consummate at one time that when people got married the marriage wasn't consummated until they got intimate after they got married and had intercourse that was a complete they completed the consummation when they came together as one you know there used to be a time when you can use a, a, a pair of pliers to fix anything you could fix your car. You can fix your bike or bicycle. You can, you can fix a motorcycle, motorbikes. But now, now they got something called the metric system. They got something called a start wrench and they got something called an Allen wrench. And, and now you can't use any tool to fix everything. If you got a certain Screw that you want to take a loose, you got to go to the store. If it's a 9 you can't get a 5-8. You get the 9 and you put that 9 on that screw, and that's 9-16 fit perfectly. It has fulfilled the purpose for which it was made. That's what Jesus told us to do. Fulfill your purpose. This word does not mean flawless. It's not the same perfection that we use. Perfect means flawless. This is not that word. This is a totally different word. This word just means be complete. Be who I called you become who I called you to be. Fulfill the purpose for what you was made. Praise God. And that's the way to leave a legacy. Fulfill that purpose for what you, for which you were made. God said you can do it. And when you do that, he said you'll look like your father in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. God made you to work. He created you to work. But because of the fall of Adam, now you have to get a job. Also. But that don't that don't negate you from your work that does not negate you from your calling. They can fire you from your job, but they can't fire you from your work. You can retire from your job, but you can never retire from your work because your work is your purpose. Greatest, Greatest tragedy in life is not death, Miles Monroe said, but life without purpose. Amen. Get a hold of God. Get Stay in his face. Those of you who don't know your call, you, you don't know your purpose. God told me to tell you, stay in his face. Stay in his word. Oh, yes. Yeah. It took me some time, but, but God did a quick work in me. I was towed up from the floor. up. Amen. So now I got like God has done God so did so he's done so much for me in 10 years after I received him and stopped just stopped going to church but I received him as my personal Lord and Savior. Then he began to reveal to me my purpose. In fact, he, he revealed it to my wife before he revealed it to me. He prophesied to me. Jesus told me, you're gonna be. Pastoring pastors, you're gonna be overseeing pastors, and I looked at it like it's crazy. Like I'm, I'm barely, I, I'm barely in the door, but God was showing up, showing the thing that I was gonna be doing, it. and sure enough. I would have never believed it. I would have never thought it. But had somebody saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, but it was only because I was hanging around the house. I was hanging around God. I was hanging my I was hanging around. Stay in the word. If I didn't get it right away, that's all right. Wait till tomorrow. God, give me another, give me a fresh revelation. But whatever you do, stay in the word. We've come to the the end of our, but I'm going to take some questions now. But I pray that everybody understand their purpose. I pray that if you don't understand your purpose, that the Lord will reveal it to you tonight. Wake you up at three in the morning. Show it to you. Keep a pen and pencil right by your bed. And some paper. I promise you, he will. He'll wake you up. Amen. One last scripture. Let me let me throw this one at you. I just thought about it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. One verse. He said, He had made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he had set the world in their heart so that no man could find out the work that God make it from the beginning to the end. And let me break this down. That word world is not the same word for society or earth or age or system. If you read it in any other translation, it says, it don't say world, it says eternity because that's the Greek that's the Hebrew word the Hebrew word is O-L-A-M Olam that's the that's the Hebrew word for world it's spelled the same as as the regular one but it's totally different meaning and what 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 did he just say this is Solomon's talking Solomon said God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That's men and women. What does that mean? Do you want? Have you ever wondered why you can't imagine be, being dead? You ever wonder? You can't imagine not being alive. It's because you're gonna always be alive somewhere. You're gonna you're gonna live forever somewhere. And then we got two places, two choices. That's why that's why you can't even fathom not being here. But one day you won't be physically, but spiritually, you'll be either in the presence of the Lord or waiting somewhere, waiting for your judgment. I choose, I chose to be in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Now you know why you can't imagine not being in existence because you're gonna always be because God put that in your heart. He's put eternity in the hearts of men. Amen.
2: Okay, so that O-L A M, world meaning world. So when I in other scriptures, when it says world, is it gonna be meaning the same or is it gonna be meaning different?
1: It ne- it won't necessarily mean the same. Okay. If you read it, if you see that word "world," it said. I think it's a Second Corinthians chapter four, verse verse three and four, and it said, "If if, if our gospel is hid, is hid to those that are lost, mm-hmm. in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which are do, who don't believe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's, that's the glorious gospel of Christ." Was in the image of God, shine unto them. That's
2: mm-hmm.
1: that world is talking about the cosmos.
2: Oh, uh, okay, it's
1: talking about the age, it's talking about the, the god of this earth, and which is Satan himself. He's the prince of, of the doctrines of, of the earth, totally different. It looks, it mm-hmm. spelled the same, look the same. It sounds mm-hmm. the same, but it has a totally different meaning. And the mm-hmm. average person that read it, they won't know the difference because they don't, they don't understand Greek and Hebrew and they don't know how to s- research and find out what was the original word.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And once they find out what the original word, then they can find out what the original meaning. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the King James and I ask my students to study out the King James when, they, when they're doing Greek and Hebrew. Yeah, You don't know why? Because Genesis chapter two verse fifteen, it says, God told him to dress. He put him in the garden to dress it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But you look everywhere else, it says the teal. Yeah. And and if and if you look up the word teal in the Greek, you won't you won't even get an answer. You won't even get it because that's a different different word because it's not the same. It's not the original word that was translated from Hebrew to english I, I need somebody to pray least... thank you,
2: Jesus. Of god.
1: first lady's praying for me thank you Lord.
2: father god we're so grateful tonight that you stepped into this bible study uh, father thank you for every person that tapped in on this soon tonight thank you lord god we thank you for the depositing the word of god into our hearts tonight father give us new ears for new revelation god in this hour Thank you for the man of God that delivered the word and deposited it into us on tonight. Thank you, God, we ask that you continue to cover your people, oh God. Cause their ears to be open to what's going on right now. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost tonight. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus the Christ, yes, the Son sir. of the living God. Yes. Father, that your will will be done in each and every heart that's on this room tonight. Father, give them more and more of you, God. Increase them in the word of God. God, give them the revelation and understanding that they need in this hour. So, God, we lift you up tonight. We lift your name up tonight because your name is more powerful than any name, God. And so, God, we thank you for the word of God, the word of God that brings life, oh God. The word that takes us from day to day, God. The word that heals us. The word that saved us. The word that delivered us, God. And Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every heart and every mind. Bring us back at the appointed time, O God. Uh, At the appointed time, O God. Yes. In Jesus' name, we give him praise tonight.
0: Thank you, Lord.